Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello and welcome to another edition of Stampede Radio. I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I'm joined as always by Jim Campbell and Chris Shepard. Guys, football is here. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm excited to watch some football tomorrow night. I'm excited that football season has made it and survived through the chaos that's been 2020. Uh, I'm excited to have a distraction from some of that chaos. I'm I'm ready for football to get going tomorrow night is the uh, Texans and Chiefs and we get to root against the Texans and watch what should be at least an entertaining game and then we're you know we're headed into the weekend to watch the Colts and how does it get better than that it really doesn't this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe it's actually happening I hope it continues to happen for at least 16 weeks Yes, uh, I also am somewhat surprised that we're actually getting this. I, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop and that this would just, you know, also be swept away from us. But uh, it seems like we're going to get actual football. And um, so one of the things that I, I want to uh, kind of preface, if you're a new listener, which you know maybe you are, maybe you aren't, if you're an old listener and you just somehow have missed these uh, before the game, and it'll normally be dropping on a Friday, it's going to drop a little early, but before a game, uh, we always go through and do an opponent scouting report. Shepard spends a ton of time and energy writing out these uh, opponent scouting reports for everybody that the Colts play, and uh, he breaks them down by offense, defense, and special teams and goes way deep on all of those different position groups, on the individual players, on the strengths, weaknesses, and scheme type, and gives you as much information as you could ever want and more. Um, so there's no really, really no excuse to go in not understanding at least something uh, about the opponent that we're going to face. And a lot of times it's somewhat revealing because there are ideas about the team that we're going to face that you may have preconceived notions and Shepard will often disabuse you of those notions and, you know, bring you crashing down to earth. And they're, they're great. They're under, they're heavily underread, uh, considering the, uh, the quality of content. So you definitely need to get over on Stampede Blue and read them. But if you're lazy and you just want the cliff notes, uh, we do our best to give you that here and we'll do that every week. So we're going to start off with the Jaguars and Shepard, um, tell us about what is left of the Jaguars offense now that they have uh, left quote unquote star running back uh, Leonard Fournette uh, has gone on to join Tom Brady and every other aging uh, person who is past their prime, I guess. Did he have a prime anyway? I don't know. Tell, tell us about the, the actual Jaguars offense and what's left of them. 
Yeah. So Leonard Fournette did have a prime. Uh, it was 2019. It was a very short prime. <laughs> uh, um, but so Fournette was actually, he was decent last year. Um, and you know, without talking too much about him, um, the Jaguars did decide to replace a guy that actually finally played pretty well last year with two undrafted rookie free agents and a 30 year old running back who has never rushed for more than I think 350 yards in a season. So, um, the Jaguars front office isn't really focused on winning football games in 2020. And I think that that's probably the most important thing that anybody needs to know about this team right off the bat. Um, they've made a lot of moves that you don't make if you're trying to win right now. Um, they do uh, have a, a pretty good base as far as where they're at with quarterback. I mean, that's probably being generous. Gardner Minshew is a good quarterback. Um, he's going to be playing in his second under his second offensive coordinator, and he'll probably have many more if he plays for the Jaguars in the future. Um, but it's more or less the same system. It's Jay Gruden. Um, Jay Gruden comes down from the Washington football team. Uh, that's their official name, uh, which is still tough for me to say. It still blows my mind every time I see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but for the Washington, well, even even worse than the name is if you look at the logo on all the schedules and stuff. It definitely looks like that default. You are too lazy to create your own team's logo in uh, franchise mode in Madden. Yes, if you've created your own franchise and you just were super lazy about it, and it's like let's just make it just a W. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are. They're the Twitter egg of the NFL. Yes, yes absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but so anyway, the former football team head coach of Washington, um, Jay Gruden, he he's bringing his West Coast system in. He's replacing John DeFilippo's West Coast system. So it's going to be a lot of the same thing. Obviously, Gruden has, you know, some wrinkles that he's going to throw in there. Um, but when I when I went back and I looked and I watched uh, what he, what John Gruden threw at the Colts the last time they played uh, John, or I'm sorry, John, a Jay Gruden team. Uh, it was the Redskins in 2018. And, you know, I'm pretty sure most Colts fans probably still remember that game. Darius Leonard, I, ha- I think had 19 tackles, a sack, a pass defense. It was his, it was his second game as a pro. And it was also his coming out party as, you know, you kind of, or it was third game. It was third, third week. Um, yeah. But, you know, you kind of i remember watching that game and going hey i think this leonard guy might be pretty good Um, (laughs) i feel like he closed that game out with a forced fumble didn't he i believe so yeah i I think yeah yeah, i think he poked it out um but yeah that it was alex smith just being content to check the ball down a hundred times but when i went back and i watched that game and i watched the what the game that jay gruden called with an experienced quarterback alex smith had been in the league for a long time at that point Uh, And Alex Smith is who he is. He's not great, but he's also not a bad player. Uh, And just the simplicity of the plays that Jay Gruden was calling. um, This game is going to be, at least on the defensive side for the Colts, it's going to be one about execution. Jay Gruden's not going to throw at them anything that's close to exotic. Um, And not that I think he could. I I don't know that he's got the talent to do it. Um, But when you look at Gardner Minshew, he's... I say this in the article, but he's better than he should be. Uh, nobody's told Gardner Minshew that his arm's not strong enough, that he's a little too small, that he's not that fast. 
nobody's told him those things. So he's, he plays way better than he should just given his physical ability. He, he's able to overcome it mentally. Uh, and he does a lot of little things that most guys can't do. And I don't know that Minshew worked extra hard to develop it. I think it's just a natural ability that he has. He's never going to be a superstar. Uh, he's never going to be an all pro probably won't win anybody a Super Bowl, uh, but he's at best, I think probably a mid range starting quarterback. And those are hard to find. Um, so Minshew, it, all things considered solid. I talked a little bit about the running backs. <laughs> if, if the Jags can have any success at all on the ground in this game, it is going to be almost more disappointing than the rest of 2020. Um, it's just, they're terrible. They're, they have no business being able to run the football. Um, so, you know, don't expect much from, from the Jags there. Um, as far as wide receivers go, their wide receiver room is actually pretty loaded, um, which, you know, it doesn't matter if nobody else is any good. Um, but DJ Chark is going to be their wide receiver one. Um, he had a great year last year. Chris Conley right now is listed as wide receiver two. Uh, both of those guys are six, three, and they ran legitimate 4.3 second, 40 yard dashes. Um, those guys are, are pretty solid. Uh, they drafted LaVisca Chenault jr. Out of Colorado. Um, and you know, he was a guy that a lot of people thought the Colts might be interested in. Um, but he's another one to watch. He's he, he'll come off the bench. He's not going to be one of their first three receivers. Um, but they really do have a pretty talented group uh, of, of wide receivers. The runner, I'm sorry, their uh, offensive line, um, all in all, they're an average group. Uh, they're not going to win any awards. Um, pass blocking, they're pretty solid. If you look at their sack totals from last year, it doesn't look great. Um, but that's mostly just due to the fact that Gardner Minshew ran himself into a lot of sacks, just trying to dance around, extend plays. He's good at extending plays, but you know he's a young player. He got himself in, into some situations that he couldn't get out of, and the offensive line you know took the fall for it. But from a pass blocking perspective, they're pretty good. Um, run blocking, they couldn't open a hole to save their life their lives last year. Every time Leonard Fournette had a decent a decent run. It wasn't because they opened a hole. It was because Leonard Fournette actually looked like he was maybe a little bit talented. Uh, and he created some things where there really wasn't anything for him. So uh, all in all, uh, the Jags offense as a whole, they've got some nice pieces. Um, but they don't really have, I don't think that they have enough talent to truly have an identity. Um, and really it should be a one dimensional game. They should have to make Gardner Minshew throw, uh, and if the Colts are smart, they'll they'll make him take checkdowns and uh, you know make him kick field goals all game. And and uh, I think that that's probably the, I think that that's best case scenario for the Colts is just to let him throw checkdowns, let him throw to the whatever running backs they have on their team, uh, and uh, and try to go out and score points on their defense. Well, and it's going to be exciting to see because they like like you said they're. You know, they at least last season they pass blocked relatively well, um, and they ate the Colts up at the end of the season because they were not able to get to the quarterback. So one of the more interesting things to see out of the jump is what impact does DeForest Buckner have on the middle of that defense? Um, because if he if he can be disruptive, if he can get into the backfield and make that difficult, if if they don't really like you said, if they if they don't have 
that dimension in the running game that they can revert to. And they're constantly having, you know, Gardner Minshew flushed out of the pocket. He's not going to get away in the same way that you can struggle with somebody uh, like Patrick Mahomes who can be mobile and then throw on the run. If they can make him uncomfortable and collapse the pocket, um, they're going to have a good chance of, of impacting his ability to be effective. And like you said, good pass catchers. But if you can't get them the ball effectively on time, if you're disrupting the timing and everything, that makes their job a lot tougher. And I'm going to be interested to see how how the Colts linebacking core matches up, because I have a feeling, like you said, it's going to be throwing short of the sticks and letting the athletic linebackers for the Colts get after those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, if you if you can get at the quarterback, if you can get pressure, if you can disrupt him, there hasn't been a single quarterback in the history of the NFL that's been able to to complete passes while consistently getting hit. I mean, Tom Brady, if you it was really no secret, if you can just hit Tom Brady, you know, he's going to have a bad game. It was just that it was really hard to hit him. Um, and you know, it's definitely going to be true with, with Minshew as well. So if, if Buckner makes that big of a difference, then, uh, then that's great. And it's going to be a a dominant game from start to finish. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I mean, this is, I think the best case, one of the best case scenarios for this test of this defense to open up this season, you know, a team that's already kind of shoehorned themselves into being one dimensional. And if we can keep them, you know, going, uh, that route, I, I think we can really see what this defense has kind of early when we're going to see struggles across the league, um, you know, the, these first couple weeks. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited to see them get to possibly feast a little bit on these guys um, and maybe get their, um, you know, get them hyped up a bit more for the season coming out of here. So. Well, and tell me if you agree with this, Shepard, because one of the things that I think is kind of interesting is we talked about it, I think, on the last episode that the running game is maybe your best bet early on in the season. If you haven't had if you've got new combinations of quarterbacks and receivers, if you've got younger receivers or if you just have guys like Minshew who probably are going to really need to lean on timing because they don't have the arm talent that somebody uh, some of the top tier passers do that they can kind of make throws um, a little off timing and still make it work. Um, I wonder if it's going to be excessively difficult for them because if they have to lean more heavily on the pass, even if they would normally be, have been more effective, it may be bad timing to have to be pass heavy. Um, I, I think that the the same could be true of the people who are defending against the pass, obviously, so that that yeah. could affect the Colts defense. But uh, in terms of of a passing attack, if you have to lean on that, even if your pass catchers are good. Um, you're going to see some some miscommunications. You're going to see some timing routes that aren't quite right because it's early in the season and they haven't had a normal off season. Um, and and so I wonder if you're going to see some of that. And the Colts have an opportunity maybe to capitalize on it because the Colts' strength, um, you know, obviously is going to be in the running game. Right. Uh, and so where the Jags are maybe going to have to rely on something that if it doesn't succeed, gives the Colts the upper hand and that they can run and grind out the clock. Um, it, it could be interesting. I feel like this has the potential to turn somewhat ugly early. I don't know that I expect this game to be a blowout, but I do think that it's going to be one where it seems pretty clearly from start to finish that the Colts are in control of this game. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, notoriously defenses are, uh, very far ahead of offenses early in the season. Um, and like you said, that 
is especially true when it comes to passing attacks. Um, you know, just from even installing the the playbook, um, you know, you're not going to have you're not going to have everything installed week one, especially when there's no preseason. You know, everything's limited. Um, you're just not, and you're not going to have that timing. That rhythm's not going to be there. And if you add on to it the fact that you've got a new offensive coordinator, even if it is a similar system, and even if the language is close to the same, um, there's going to be some issues with familiarity there and just figuring out what plays Gardner Minshew likes in what situations and sure. what he feels comfortable throwing the routes that he likes. It, I mean, I'm sure Gruden has a, a good feel for that right now, but it's different in the game. So, um, well, sure. And it's going to be nothing like what Frank Reich has for his right. offense, because you just don't have that familiarity. Like you said, even if you're really good at your job, yeah. even, even if you've had a full off season, that transition is tougher yes. for people in a new situation than it is, uh, for guys who've been there for a couple of seasons. So yeah, yeah I definitely think that could be uh, a significant part of that impact. And, you know, obviously something I'm hopeful is going to be the case. Absolutely. Um, so let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. Cause maybe that's the more surprising uh, side of the ball for Jacksonville, because this was a star studded defense for a while. And the cabinets are kind of bare at this point. I mean, it's like miles Jack and, others uh from a defense that was basically i mean it was it was kind of a who's who of really talented defensive players and it's not that they're devoid of talent there's certainly talent there and 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 everything but they are a very different team than the team from a few years ago that was so impressive on defense um what is the strongest unit on this defense and and what are the colts going to be facing to get some kind of production on offense Naming the strongest unit on this defense is tough. Um, I guess if I had to do it, it and it kind of depends on how good. So the the Jags um, traded away some pieces on defense this year, and one of them was a, a safety, uh, and they replaced him uh, with a free agent signing, and they had signed this free agent before. But a guy named Josh Jones, he had played in Green Bay, uh, and I think he had one other stop as well. And he, he was kind of a, a bust as a, of a second rounder. Uh, but since he got to Jacksonville playing in, um, it's really a Seahawks cover three. It's just a, a four, three, a four, three under that they play a lot of cover three. They play a lot of man coverage. Uh, and Josh Jones is going to be the box safety. He's essentially going to be a linebacker with more coverage responsibilities. Um, and it, he's, to my knowledge, I, again, I'd have to go back and see what the other team was because I know for sure he was in Green Bay. Um, but I don't think he's been in a system like this. So it could be that he excels in the system. And if he does, I would probably argue that the defensive backfield is the most talented group on the defense. Um, but if Josh Jones isn't greatly improved based on what we've seen of his time in the NFL so far, um, then probably the defensive line Um but even then, uh, I mean, Denver or not Denver, I'm sorry, uh, Jacksonville got rid of Calias Campbell uh, and Yannick Ngakwe, uh, two guys that, uh, I mean, Campbell averaged more than 10 sacks a season for them in the three years that he was there. And Ngakwe was a, he was looking like a perennial eight to 12 sack a year guy himself. So they still have some talent from draft picks. Um, 
they've got Taven Bryan. He was a, a former first rounder. Bryan's not really put it all together yet. He's got some interesting traits. He's really quick off the ball. He's really obviously strong. Um, it's just, he's not always great at football. Um, you can, do a lot being quick and strong, uh, but it, it just doesn't seem like that he's always aware uh, of what's going on around him, which is important. Um, but so they've got, they also have Josh Allen, not the quarterback, uh, the, uh, the <laughs> defensive end out of Kentucky. Um, he surprised me. I did not think he was going to be as good as he was, uh, but he had 10 and a half sacks last year. Um, he was super productive and obviously they hope that, you know, he's going to be more productive this year. And they also have, man, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. He went to LSU first round pick, uh, chase on, <laughs> yeah. how do you say that first name? Clavon, um, Clavon, I, be- I believe it is Calavon, but I don't really know. Okay. Well, yeah, that, that star pass rusher out of LSU with the last name chase on, um, they took him with the 20th overall pick and right now he's not listed as a starter on their depth chart. Uh, I think that that's going to kind of change. They picked up, uh, Adam and this one's interesting too. It's Adam Gostis Gostis from Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's never really been a guy that's produced a lot, but again, that could be due to the, the system that they had him in, in Denver. Um, he is a, a solid player based on, I didn't do, I didn't watch a lot of Denver football. I'm not going to lie. Um, but based on everything I read about him, he's a, a good, but not great player. So I think that they're going to want to see what chase on can do. And I think they're going to plug him into that spot sooner rather than later, especially early in the season i think that we're going to see chase on on passing down so you know second and long um third and long situations i think that we'll see chase on on the field um but i think again i think that probably right now on paper defensive line uh is their best group uh with you know a little asterisk there for for what the safeties can do or i'm sorry for what the defensive backs can do with that safety um the linebacker core is really not awesome um <laughs> So Miles Jack, uh, he was really hyped coming out of UCLA. I think uh, he had an injury that dropped him to the second round. And so far he's proven to, to not – that injury hasn't been an issue. He's been healthy. Um, but he's kind of a disappointment, at least from my perspective, just in the player that he's become. He is super athletic, and it's obvious on tape. Um, the problem is, is that he freelances all the time, uh, and he's almost never in the right place. He doesn't guess well when he guesses. Um, he just he doesn't stay home. He he tries to make big plays. He doesn't maintain gap responsibility, and fortunately, it means a lot of big runs. When you watch both Colts games last year, Marlon Mack was just ripping off eight to ten to twenty yard runs, and it was in no small part due to the fact that miles Jack wasn't where he was supposed to be. Jack would you know, follow a, a flowing uh, tight end from left to right. And well, it was a split zone. So it's going the opposite direction of where miles Jack just went. And if he just would have maintained gap position, it probably would have been a, a three or four yard gain. Uh, instead he leaves and well, it's, you know, it's a big run for Mac. Um, they did go out and they picked up Joe Schobert uh, from Cleveland. Uh, Schobert's not a bad player. Uh, he's better in coverage than with his run defense, um, which is interesting because they this team couldn't stop a nosebleed last year on the ground. So um, they went out and got a guy who's also still not very good against the run. Again, Schobert is another guy who is very athletic. Uh, he's quick. 
Um, you know, he should, should do a good job in coverage, but I don't, I just don't see him taking on blocks and defeating them and, you know, stopping a ball carrier for a loss. I, it's just not going to happen very often with Schobert. Um, so it, those are the two guys you're going to see on the field most of the time for them. Uh, this defense is one where they're going to be in some form of nickel most of the time. Um, so those are, those are the guys that you need to know. Um, there is a, another linebacker that I'm just now realizing I completely forgot to put him in my scouting report and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to chalk that up to this being week one and me making a mistake, um, because he's the best linebacker of the bunch, but he's not on the field that often. So it's not hard to look good when you're, you don't have a chance to make that many mistakes. Um, but he's more of a, a run stopper. He's a guy that does do a good job against the run and they don't have him on the field because he can't cover, um, sorry, sir, that I've forgotten your name. He was a seventh round pick out of Wisconsin. I remember that, but I don't remember his name. I'm sure he's not listening anyway. Um, <laughs> when, when we get to the defensive backs, uh, Jalen Ramsey was there for a while. It seemed like too long cause he was pretty decent. Um, but they traded him away. Uh, it's been a while since they've traded him now, but they replaced him with, uh, a first round pick and CJ Henderson, a corner out of Florida. Um, Trey Herndon is, uh, the other is the guy on the other side. He's a former undrafted free agent. Um, and then they've got DJ Hayden and then a seventh round rookie named Chris clay books, clay Brooks, uh, who is the, the fourth corner. Um, Jared Wilson is one safety and we already talked about Josh Jones at the other. So all in all, this team has decent talent. Uh, at all three levels. I mean, they have young talent at all three levels of the defense. They just have a lot of holes. Miles Jack is very talented, not super good at football. Joe Schobert, he's okay. Um, they've got, you know, CJ Henderson, who could be pretty good. He was a top 10 pick at, at corner. Uh, he's talented. I don't know if he's going to be any good at NFL football. And then on the defensive line, they've got uh, three guys that were first round picks. And so far, Josh Allen's the only one that's done anything on an NFL football field. So it, they have a potential to gel, to come together. If you're a Jags fan and you're hoping for best case scenario, best case scenario is that these guys all improve together quickly uh, and they, they live up to their potential. Realistically, they're not going to be very good this year, uh, and they're not going to be able to stop the run at all. They've got a chance to do better against the pass, um, but the good news for Colts fans is we've got a really good offensive line and two running backs that, one, we know for sure can get it done, and the other, I think most of us believe, uh, is going to be very good as well. Well, and one of the things that's kind of interesting, I didn't know this, and maybe you guys knew this, but uh, I was writing and exchanging uh, the Q&A with our counterparts over at, um, uh, is it Big Cat Country? I believe yes. is yep. the site. I couldn't remember if that was the, the site for the Panthers or not. So many irrelevant cat teams. <laughs> um, but but uh, we were exchanging our, our stuff, and one of the things, one of the questions was, uh, the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. Uh, are they going to struggle in this game? And my initial reaction was like, that's not right. No. And, it is. and then I checked the numbers and it's like, oh my gosh, have we lost every game since 2014 mm-hmm. in Jacksonville? And we have. Yeah. Um, 
And that's a little shocking. But one of the other things that he said was uh, Phillips Rivers is the Jaguars killer. Um, he apparently has made a routine of shredding the Jaguars. So they, despite the fact that there's that, I don't know how those counts, how those cancel out. Uh, but we have maybe the opportunity to break a, an awful and kind of embarrassing streak, um, against mostly bad Jaguars teams on the road, uh, because Philip Rivers apparently feasts on the Jaguars. So I don't know what comes of this, but it's going to be certainly very interesting to see what the outcome is because that was a horrifying realization for me. Well, so in a lot of ways, it kind of makes sense that Jags fans view him as, uh, you know, kind of their kryptonite because they're, they run a, mostly a cover three and <laughs> to beat a cover three, you throw to your backs and tight ends in the flats a lot. So, mm-hmm. you know, Philip Rivers does that. <laughs> so that's probably why. It's just default position for him. Yeah, so, yeah. It's not like he's thinking real hard, like, oh, I'm just going to tear these guys apart. He just goes to work. Right. Yeah. Um, my fantasy tip of the week is going to be start Marlon Mack. <laughs> it's just that's my fantasy tip. Uh, work. With, with regard to the Colts, uh, do not start the Jaguars defense. Yeah, no, that'd be bad. It really, sh- you probably should not. Well, hey guys, let's take a real quick break and then we will be right back and we'll get back at it. Most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's take a look at the special teams, um, you know, and and who has the advantage there in special teams in this matchup? Uh, they do. Um, so if it were going to be a close game, uh, I would be pretty concerned about the special teams battle um, because they are better. Um, but like you kind of talked about earlier, uh, 
I don't think that this game is necessarily going to be close. I don't know if the score is going to get out of hand. I don't know if, if the Colts are going to run it up. I, I'm not sure, but I don't think that there's going to be any question at all that the Colts are in control of this one for the overwhelming majority of the game. I, they're just going to be in the driver's seat all day. Um, if they weren't, uh, if they were, if it were going to be a close game and the Jags sent out Josh Lambeau, their kicker, um, for a you know game winning field goal, I would feel pretty bad about it as a Colts fan, just due to the fact that I would believe that Lambeau's going to hit it. Um, last season, he was uh, thirty three of thirty four uh, on his field goal attempts, and his only miss came from I think it was it was somewhere between forty and forty nine yards. It was four for four on kicks longer than fifty. Uh, he was nineteen for twenty on PATs, um, and it was really sad. Well, I mean, it's not sad, but it was kind of surprising, I guess, that the the Jags only scored 20 touchdowns last year. Um, They play 16 games, and, uh, you know, (laughs) that's barely more than one touchdown per game, so that's too bad. Um, But Lambeau is a very good kicker, um, and, you know, the – we have a rookie. We don't know what he's going to do. I'm probably going to have a better year than Vinny did last year, um, but that's a pretty low bar. Um, their punter uh, they took in the seventh round uh, in the 2018 draft. His name's Logan Cook. He's six foot five, 230 pounds. He looks like a quarterback, um, but. 2019, he had a nearly 47 yard average. He pinned 25 balls inside the 20. Uh, he's a good punter, um, and I think that we're probably going to end up seeing quite a bit of him. Um, he is capable of, you know, flipping the field and pinning the Colts deep. I, again, I just really don't know how much of an impact he's going to be able to have. I just don't know that the Jags can really realistically stop the Colts as long as the Colts stay committed to the ground game. Um, the returners, this one actually, so you're thinking this is special teams. It's not that interesting for me writing this article. This was actually kind of interesting. So DD Westbrook and Keelan Cole are listed as the punt returner and the kick returner, respectively. Keelan Cole's returned like four kicks in his career, I don't know if that guy's any good at returning kickoffs or not. Uh, Dede Westbrook in 2018 was a really good returner. He averaged like 14 yards per return and he had uh, like a decent amount of returns. Uh, But then 2019, he did play through an injury and he had, uh, you know, 23 returns for 132 yards, which is just under six yards of return. So he was not a good returner last year while he was hurt. I don't really know how good of a returner he is, um, but I have to believe he's somewhere between, uh, you know, a six yard returner and a 14 yard punt returner. So that actually for somebody like me, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how he looks returning punts, uh, if he gets the chance to do it. Um, again, they listed Keelan Cole as the, the kick returner. Uh, I don't, necessarily believe that that's just kind of where they they listed him on the depth chart they also listed chris claybrooks the seventh round corner uh, out of memphis uh, as the the number two returner for both punts and kicks Uh, i did not go do a deep dive on chris claybrooks just in case he's a good returner i simply did not care that much uh, so if Clay Brooks is a special returner, uh, I have no idea and it will be a surprise to all of us. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much their special teams. Um, maybe the Colts have a slight edge as far as, 
returners go, but punter and kicker at this point, I think that I would, I would probably give it to the Jags. Uh, you know, even though I really like Rigoberto, uh, I, you know, I think that, I think that Logan Cook's probably a better punter at this point. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting because we saw some flashes from Naheem Hines as a returner at the end of last year, mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting to get a chance to see against a team that hypothetically will be punting often what he's able to do with that, um, and, and against a good punter who's going to probably make it difficult for him to to really run away with it. But it'll be interesting to see, and Isaiah Rogers, the rookie corner, is mm-hmm. uh, supposedly going to be the other return guy, and so it'll be interesting to get a look at him. He's a very fast player, but whether he can return that skill does not necessarily translate you know speed is not the only important thing um in kick returning we were discussing uh with a coworker, uh and i discussing devin hester and you know how this is a guy who to watch him return punts i mean in kicks he just he had that vision for it, but the guy couldn't play receiver to save his life. You'd have thought that kind of speed would translate to other things. It just doesn't always work that way. Uh, sometimes you have people who have that ability to do that and some just don't. And so no way of knowing how he'll look, but I'll be really interested to watch both sides. Uh, I'm really, like you said, hoping not to see too many of their punt returners because it'd be nice if Rigo just sat this game out mm-hmm. entirely. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. So definitely excited to watch this game, excited to just see Colts football. Um, I don't want to lose another season opener. The Colts have not won a season opener, is it 2013, 2012 or 2013, since they won a season opener. It's been a long time. It was early Chuck Pagano era, I feel like, the last time they won a season opener. Um, I want to say 2013. So um, it's been a while. This is going to be a great opportunity to get that win. I, so I'm not going to overreact if the Colts lose, but I will be surprised and pretty disappointed if they, if they lose this game. Yeah. Good, good opportunity to get eyes on all of our, on, well, not all of our rookies, but several of our rookies who should be involved in this at some, in some capacity. Um, let's go ahead. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is just some of the things that are going to be different on game day, because we've talked, we don't, we've tried not to talk too much about COVID. Everybody's tired of hearing about it and talking about it. There's lots of other uh, exciting things to think about right now. So I know that's the last thing that people want to dig in on, but I do think there are some logistical things that are different that we haven't spent a lot of time talking about. And I'm just a little curious what your guys thoughts are about what the product is going to be like on the field from the fans perspective. Uh, What are your apprehensions or just things that you're wondering about in terms of what actually we're going to see. Cause I don't know if anybody's, if you've watched any NBA games or anything like that, it's a very interesting visual. I haven't seen any, um, any you know, like premier league games or anything to see what's going on there, but I've heard they're pumping in sound. Uh, I've been hearing that there's going to be like some low level buzzing sound going on in football. And then you'll have some fans that'll be present dependent upon the stadium and location and everything what are your guys' expectations for what this product actually looks like in terms of just, you know, the, the viewing perspective? Oh, I, I, I think it's, it's going to be kind of surreal. I mean, I guess I, I don't watch baseball myself, but I have caught, you know, clips of games with, you know, empty stands or cardboard cutouts of people in stands. Um, and my thought was, oh, that's just baseball. Um, that's how it is every day. 
for right. baseball games. But well, and um, baseball's not a crazy loud sport in no, terms of not. fan response, unless something big happens. Yeah. Um, but I what what did I say? So teams will be allowed to pump in crowd noise up to seventy decibels. I think I, I think that's something. I think that's that's about right. So I think from a noise perspective, and also from what I understand, the broadcasters will be doing that as well. Um, they've got people um, who will be running sound for their specific broadcasts using pre-recorded um, fan noise that NFL Films recorded, I think. Um, <laughs> so that's it's going to be... I, I really think the if you do get a chance to go to a game, which I know Lucas Oil said that at least for the first game, they're going to host 2,500 fans. I don't know. I assume Jacksonville is like beyond capacity because it's Florida, right? Right. Like we're just going <laughs> to just, um, full. It's just yeah. gonna be full. I'm shocked. They didn't actually make me go to the game. Um, if, it's, if Jacksonville sells out a game, it'll be the first time in like three years. They've done it. <laughs> oh, but you better believe there'll be people in that pool. <laughs> well, uh, DeSantis will force it just so it makes it look like Florida's the place you should come. Don't come here, by the way. Please don't. Um, um, yeah. So uh, I think well, actually if you can go to a game, it will be a slightly different experience either way. I mean, of course, it's always different to be there than to watch it on TV. But yeah. at least, you know, with TV, you were getting the actual recording of what was happening in the stadium you know, you could go and rewatch the game and go, oh, yeah, I remember when the crowd was this loud and blah, 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 uh, when you were there. But that's not necessarily going to be the same. You know, the, I, the cues I do of wonder, crowd, yeah. the crowd. I do wonder how the, the sound are differences are going to be. Uh, like from watching the viewer at home, I wonder how, how different it's going to be from the experience in the stadium. Because if you do have sound techs who are modifying a lot of that, it could just be... It could be a little bit comical. It could be very yeah. odd, and it could be totally different than what you're than the experience you're getting in the stadium. Because I've been to that stadium and watched state, uh, like the state finals in high school football, and I don't know how many people are there. I would guess more than twenty five hundred people, but not a lot more. Um, and it's very quiet. Uh, yeah, it yeah. is. I mean, even when stuff is kind of going, I watched one of the most exciting high school football games. Um, I've ever seen take place there and the crowd around me was rowdy and it was not loud. I mean, it, it just kills <laughs> that. It just kills that sound because when there's so many empty seats there, it's just, it's such a large space. Um, I wonder about things like competitive advantage in terms of, uh, I wonder how NFL, like what are they doing in terms of just general language on the field? How are they monitoring? Uh, because like, I don't know, if you can hear any players at all, I'm sure that that's not going to be acceptable for a home audience for the most part. Um, well, even yeah. when there's 60 some thousand people in the stands, you still pick up F bombs from the field from time to oh, time. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's so that, happen. that is actually a really interesting point. So that you always see those, the guys holding those big parabolic mics pointing towards the field and they do that so that you can hear the pads pop so that you can hear the actual action on the football field. You know, Every guy sitting at home with a surround sound loves to hear that. But you make a really good point. Most of the time, you can't hear them talking because there is crowd noise. There is all that other stuff. But you're definitely going to hear them talking if they don't modify that now. Uh, if they don't modify it, 
Uh, if they don't change that, it's like every now and then you just hear the audio just cut out because it runs on a delay and they've caught something, you know, and they kind of cut. It's just going to be, there's just not going to be any audio as long as there are players on the field uh, if they don't change something there. Um, so that well, that is interesting. And then I even think about, I mean, if you remember, and I don't remember who they were playing, but if you remember Josh McDaniels talking about making a play adjustment because yes. a couple of defensive players were walking past him talking about what they were going to do on the next, on the next possession. And, you know, he, he overhears this changes a play and scores a touchdown because he, he overhears these guys. How much easier is he going to be able to hear people now that there is this totally different crowd noise? I just, I think it's going to be a very different game. Um, it's going to be jarring and strange. I think it's going to be great because we're excited. We're going to be excited to see it, but it is going to be a different thing. And it's going to be a little frustrating because there is not too much better, um, in sports than watching a really good receiver get deep on defense and just get a bomb dropped and to hear the, the sort of the intake of breath and the total crowd explosion. There's just, I don't think a better feeling in the world than watching T Y Hilton get past the defense and catch one deep. Um, and it's going to feel a little bit numbed without that crowd noise, uh, without right. natural crowd noise. It's not going to be the same if you know that it's manufactured, even there's a part of me that will enjoy it, but there'll still be this part of me that's going, yeah, but that's not real. That's, right. mm-hmm. that's not my Colts you know, brother and sister Colts fans all over the place getting excited, even though they are, um, it's not the same. So it's going to be a weird thing. Yeah. I don't think. And so, I mean, yeah, I don't go to a ton of games. I usually get to one game a year, maybe two. Um, but this year, if they're only letting in 2,500 people, I'm going to save my money. It's just the fun part of going to the game is being there with the crowd Mm-hmm. feeling the crowd react, you know, your, your emotions go with the crowd. So when I watch a game at home, um, you know, obviously I've got Twitter up, I'm, I'm recording clips. I'm, I'm doing that. It's, it's different. I, I'm not necessarily as emotional when I watch a game at home. And I know that's not true for everyone, but for me personally, that that is true. It's just not really an emotional thing. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm enjoying watching the Colts play, but I'm not, uh, I'm just, I'm just the highs and lows just aren't there for me when I'm at a game, the highs and lows are all there because everybody around me, I feed off that energy and that energy is just not going to be there. Um, you know, (laughs) it's just, it's like you said, it's going to be a different thing. Uh, and I'm not going to tell anybody what to do with their money, but man, I, you know, I'd think about saving it if, uh, if you were thinking about going to a game this year. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting. Um, I, yeah. I think there's going to be some layers that were unanticipated, and there are going to be some things that happen that just surprise people, and I think that's going to be a fascinating thing to see happen. Um, and, and just it just makes me curious as you know as we get, get rolling, what surprising things are going to happen that maybe we just did not realize crowd noise impacted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how, just how does the game feel different? And I just think it will. I think it's going to be different. It's, it's a crowd-supported sport. It's not like baseball where that can kind of go on and it's, it's more normal. Um, you can kind of conduct normal business and then the crowd, you know, you get a pop from the crowd if there's a big hit or whatever. But football is like this dull roar punctuated by loud roars. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so without that 
being real. It's just going to be a strange thing. So yeah. uh, I'm not going to complain about it. It's going to be very exciting to watch it, but it is going to be a different feeling. So, um, and the last thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to go through and uh, make some score predictions for this game, because I think we all kind of have that same feeling that this is going to go the Colts way. Uh, but let's go ahead and throw out a score here and, um, and, you know, see what you guys think. So if you've, if you've got one Shepard, I know you've spent a lot more time than either of us looking, uh, at this Jaguars team. What do you think the score shakes out to? So I've got the game at Colts 27 Jaguars 17. Um, you know, it's still a, a double digit win. Um, I don't think the Colts go out and score a crazy amount of points, but I do think that, I think the final score is going to be closer than what the game actually is. I think it's going to feel very much like a, a Colts domination from start to finish. Yeah. Hmm. Jim, what do you think? Uh, I was going to go like 21, nine. Yeah. I was yeah. going to have a bit bigger, a little, a little less scoring on both sides, but a bit of a bigger, you know, gap there between the two. I could, so. I could see that because I could definitely see the Colts just jumping on the run early and often. Mm-hmm with this team and just really dragging this game out. Um, I, I I am, I kind of hope that they do because I want to see Jonathan Taylor get lots of touches because I'm excited to get to see him and see how he looks in a real game. Um, So I would be rooting for that score because that would mean that, well, I'd be rooting for a higher score, but a score like that means that they're probably going ground and pound and we're going to get to see lots of, of both of those running backs. Um, so I had a pretty close, I kind of split the difference a little bit. I, I was real close to you, Shepard. Uh, I had to predict a score for my, uh, opponent scouting, not opponent scouting report. That's what you did. Yeah. Um, for, for, for your opponent scouting report that I'm taking credit for apparently on air here. <laughs> um, that's my preferred way to actually do your scouting reports is let you do them. Um, right. I mean, if I were you, I would want me to write them too. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's a much better way to do it. It's <laughs> far less time. Yes. Um, no, for, for the uh, opponent Q&A that I, I did, I had to make a score prediction. I predicted 27-14. Uh, so I think it's going to be, like you said, a game that's in hand pretty quick. I think it's going to be clear who the better team is. I don't think this is this. I mean, I know that the Colts have, have lost in some games against the Jaguars on the road. And I think that there's definitely something to that, but I also know that in many of those cases, uh, this is not the same defense and the Jaguars don't have the same units that they've had. I mean, they've, they've had a better defense almost every year we've faced them over the past several years uh, than I think they have this year, or at least, at least a more star studded, as you put it, I think they got a lot of good players, but maybe not those, the star power players, um, and I really do think that we're going to see DeForest Buckner make a big impact in this game uh, right out of the gate and really uh, let people know. I, I, it's, he's one of those guys, and we've talked about this before, he's one of those guys that I just think has gone a little under the radar in terms of how big that move was, and I am just thinking he's going to come in um, and maybe change that a little bit on Sunday. So very excited about this game. Uh, we all all picking the Colts to win. Uh, that can't possibly go terribly for us. Um, but, you know, I, I'm excited about some football. I'm excited to watch football. To, uh, I won't be tomorrow. When you guys listen to this, it'll be today. But um, I'm excited to listen Thursday night football with uh, watch the Texans lose to the yep. Chiefs. Very excited about that. Give the Colts uh, a nice little early kickoff to a divisional foe going down. Um, 
but most most of all, just excited to be watching football. I'm glad that it's like you said, Jim. Glad that it is really happening. Hope that it continues to happen as the season goes on, and that guys stay healthy. And uh, both both from crazy injuries. I mean, Von Miller went out with, uh, I believe, an, an Achilles tear. Uh, and those kinds of things freak you out because there's a pretty good chance we're going to see more of these soft tissue injuries as we go with some of the way that the season has been modified, uh, but also with COVID concerns and everything. Hopefully people stay stay healthy. Um, that's pretty much all we got, guys. We're going to be back next week. We'll give you a game recap, and that should be dropping on Wednesday. Uh, we'll go through all the all of whatever happens in that game. Hopefully we'll be victorious and can have a very upbeat podcast or we'll be crying that the sky is falling and, you know, talking about how we need to find a way to sign Dion Kane. Uh, I, hear, oh I, hear, I hear he's looking, um, I hear yeah, he's he, looking for work. So he's unemployed and I'm shocked. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Dion Kane hate train uh, carries on. So <laughs> poor Dion Kane, this dude. He's probably a great guy. I feel very bad uh, that he's not better at football. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, with that, guys, hey, follow us on Twitter at Chris Blystone, at NFL Scheme, at Jim Campbell 81. Check out Stampede Blue um, for all your Colts content. We've got lots of stuff coming in the following weeks. There's there's long stuff that Shepard writes and Zach writes. Uh, there's stuff that you'll complain about, like the power rankings that nobody likes, but everybody reads. Uh, so uh, that I write, um, you know, we had some comments this week about, you know, this is this is stupid. And I kind of agree, but it is funny how many people click on the story specifically to say how much they don't like clicking on the story. I mean, you got to read something while you're pooping, man. Just like just read the power and rankings. It's yes, it's meaningless, but it's it's better than reading the news. So um, this is true. Yeah, I mean, well, and oh, and and we haven't asked for this for a while, but we're back now and we're back to a regular schedule. So jump on uh, wherever you listen, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, where however you're getting this podcast into your ear holes and uh, review and rate our podcast. We definitely appreciate it. And let us know what you think. Uh, if you hate us, let us know that you hate us. And if you are, um, you know, firmly against the Titans like we are, um, then let us know why the Titans are the worst and we'll appreciate all those things. And until that time, guys, we're going to get out of here and we'll catch you next week. Hopefully after a big Colts win. Later. Later. Guys. Bye. Bye.